With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wildcat Radio. Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and I'm on the line today, as always, with Mr. Adam Green. Adam, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm recording this on Tuesday, right? And I'm still reeling from the Game of Thrones trailer that was released earlier in the day. So if my focus is a little off, it's because it's on Winterfell and Westeros and all the stuff that's happening there. We're really close to that now. You know, it's funny... Because when, when they had that snow or whatever, like just the weather didn't permit them to film last year and they pushed it out, you know, to, to the release being in late April or whatever it is. Um, you know, I was thinking that's kind of a bummer. And I just tried to block it out just because <laughs> it's like, man, I don't want to have to wait. But I mean, obviously we have to wait and that kind of sucks. But I mean, it, it's coming up quick here. Yeah. Did you see the trailer? You know, I saw a little bit of it on. I, I haven't actually watched like the whole two minute clip, but I just saw a couple of the the gifts going around and um yeah i mean i'm i'm pumped honestly i'm probably going to rewatch the, the the latest season just to get back up to speed on everything yeah i don't think you're alone in that one and no i mean but i know there's u of a basketball and u of a news to talk about as well but i imagine for a lot of people the excitement of game of thrones coming back probably trumps anything that happened this past weekend and probably this last calendar year so hey game of thrones everybody uh, I, I, you are 100% right for at least the second half of that Oregon game, which we will get to. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I want to not have to talk about it, but we will touch on it. Uh, it was very, very ugly. But Adam, before we jump into the recap of those Oregon games, let's go ahead and just get a few of that housekeeping items out of the way here. Uh, Wildcat Radio, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, really any podcast catcher. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on social media. WildcatRadioAZ.com is our website. Of course, our, our Twitter handle, at WildcatRadioAZ. Uh, on Facebook as well, Rick Powell, kind of revamping, getting things up to speed again on the Facebook sphere. Um, as far as the website, Adam, and, you know, the upcoming events that we like to have, you know, Bryant is a very creative man, <laughs> to say yes. the least. Um, and we are repeating the Pac-12 tournament bingo cards from last year. That was actually a pretty popular idea, uh, idea, excuse me. And so that will carry on into this year. Now, obviously, last year there was a lot more hype. Everyone was way more into it because, well, Adam, we were the one seed last year. And this year we're, <laughs> we're, we're there, there's, it's, it's still undetermined. It's unclear where we're going to end up being seated for the Pac-12 tournament. But, hey, Nonetheless, there is a, at least at least you have your bingo card to keep an eye on. You know. Oh yeah, you could be they, a winner even if the Wildcats will not be. That's exactly right. And so you may be asking, how do I get a bingo card? Well, Adam, let me tell you how you get a bingo card. You can actually just simply write a review for the podcast on iTunes, and uh, Brian will be keeping track of that, sending out those bingo cards. To anybody? Uh, a, a nice little thing though too, if you have giving us, if you have given us a review in the past, be sure just to send a direct message uh, to Bryant on the Wildcat Radio Twitter handle, and he'll be sure to send you out a bingo card. So, um, you know, again, very clever idea, kind of keep engagement up, and, uh, you know, best of luck, everybody. There's some fun uh, cards in there, too, some of the things that have to happen that you can just look at them. I know I'm I'm staring at one that was thrown up on Twitter. And Bobby Hurley faces the free space, I believe, because that's just a given. But (laughs) some other ones on here are pretty good. So, you know, Cal loses by double digits, likely. Yes. You know, so two two or more no comments by Sean Noah in a press conference, only if ABC 15 is there. So, (laughs) yeah, it's a fun way to do the tournament, though, especially, like you said, without quite the buzz that we're used to going into Vegas with. Gives you something else to kind of pay attention to. And, you know, it's goofy, but it's a lot of fun. 
And there will be prizes, obviously. We're not just doing this to, uh, to, 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 to spark some Twitter conversation and whatnot. There, there will certainly be some prizes. So anybody who's interested, once again, go ahead and just give us a review. Uh, give the podcast a review there on iTunes, and uh, we'll be sure to get you out of card. So, Adam, without further ado here, I mean, uh, it really was, uh, yeah, well, I don't even want to say the tale of two halves or the tale of two games, right? Because really for three halves on the Oregon trip, I would say Arizona looked pretty good, right? And and of course, uh, of course, Chase Jeter uh, gets hurt once again <laughs> against Oregon State, and we'll jump into that here momentarily. But uh, you know, so I guess starting with the Corvallis game against the Beavers, uh, you know, th- th- this game it, it was pretty well balanced. I thought overall, you know, uh, a, a small halftime deficit, but nothing, certainly nothing should be perceived as insurmountable. Uh, a 35, 32 lead for Oregon state at the half. I felt pretty encouraged, even though, you know, Arizona had given up 35 points. Uh, the law firm, uh, law firm of Tinkle Thompson and Thompson jr. Uh, mm-hmm. they, 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 they had it going on. And that was, I think to be expected. Uh, what, what were some of the big takeaways you had for us for, uh, defensively, offensively, just overall in the game there in the first half? Well, the big thing was seeing how Arizona would build off of what happened the weekend before. And remember when we talked last week, it was, okay, Cal was garbage. The Stanford mm-hmm. one was pretty good. But it was like, okay, who is Arizona? And we kind of said, hey, well, when Arizona's been healthy, the last time they had their full lineup outside of, you know, I guess, Emmanuel Acott, they were pretty good. And so did they build off of that? And then in the first half of this game, it wasn't pretty. But like you said, Arizona was in the game. You know, they were playing well enough to be in the game. And I don't think Oregon State's a great basketball team, even though I think they were second in the conference at the time, second or third in the Pac-12 when Arizona played them, not after this weekend. But, you know, it, it was one of those games where I was never scared that it was going to get away from the Wildcats, at least especially not in the first half, because Arizona played pretty well. You know, they're getting contributions from Brandon Williams. Coleman was making a couple of shots. Brandon Randolph looked like the Brandon Randolph of the non-conference season. So <laughs> it wasn't a bad half. And it wasn't the time we say, yep, cats are back. They're about to go on a run to end the season and into Vegas. But it was when you said, you know what? This is the Arizona team that we saw earlier in the season that was competitive and even in tough environments against decent teams. They were either good or at least competitive, and they were in this half, and it set them up for having a chance to win the game in the second half. And, of course, we all know what happened there. It was certainly a feel-good first half, I thought, right? Like, there, there was a good rotation. Everybody looked healthy. Should have knocked on wood at that point, of course, when he gets <laughs> into the second half. You know, Chase Jeter, who up to that point when he got hurt, uh, of course, banging knees with Trace Tinkle, who Tinkle is, of course, the guy that undercut him in the first game and then yeah. threw him into the back spasms, all that. Purely coincidental. I mean, Tinkle is a fabulous player. I mean, he's just playing hard, right? Like, there's oh, nothing yeah, there wasn't any intentional there. No, no. No, uh, it just it sucks, right? It, but unfortunately, I mean, it's just a part of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So Chase Jeter, up to that point, had played well. I guess you could probably say twenty-one minutes, right? In the in, in in the box score, they'll have him down for twenty-one minutes up to that point because he did come back in just to give that knee uh, a little test. Wasn't able to go, but up to that point, before he got hurt, you know, six points, six rebounds. Four turnovers, which, you know, whatever. I know Oregon State's kind of feisty down low and, you know, they, they were doing a good job guarding him there as, you know, as the as the two of six would reflect. Uh, but, you know, honestly, Adam, the, those six rebounds, I kind of want to highlight because it was pretty obvious that there, there, there were two things going on in this game, especially once we got down the stretch and ultimately, which Devonair Dutrieves put back. Right. Uh, this game for Arizona was certainly one in the rebounding column, I oh, thought. Yeah. Right. So so Arizona out rebounds Oregon State 35 five to 19. It also helps when you shoot 50% from, from, from the field, <laughs> right? Eight of 17 from the, uh, from the three point line, excuse me. Something else interesting that should certainly be noted here, uh, is, is, is the discrepancy between free throw attempts, right? So, uh, you know, shooting 50% from the field, fantastic out rebounding Oregon state by 16. Fantastic. A subcomponent of that Arizona 12 offensive rebounds to Oregon state's four offensive rebounds, Arizona shot just 15 free throw attempts, mm-hmm. right? Oregon state had 31 free throw attempts. So, I mean, it was just another one of those weird lopsided at this point. I mean, it's just another day in the office for those PAC 12 officials. Exactly. Just, it just kind of just, I, I, I don't even know really what to make of it, but overall, Adam, I, I felt that everybody really contributed to this game and it was certainly a must win game. I thought for Arizona. Yeah. I mean, you look at the free throw discrepancy and of course you can't look at free throw numbers and decide up oh, one team got the short end of the stick there, but this was your classic poorly officiated PAC 12 game. I, you know, and I think 
I guess we can get to it. Obviously, we know Arizona won. They came down the stretch, got the follow-up for Dutrieve. But there was a stretch when Chase Jeter goes out. Then Ryan Luther fouls out. And mm-hmm. Brandon Williams fouls out. You're like, oh, geez. You know, and then you look at the free throws, and you're like, oh, God. Like, how is Arizona going to win this game? And, you know, I, I don't know if there was a better win for the Cats this season than this game. And especially, I guess, now we know, I mean, earlier in the season when they beat UConn, it's like, hey, it's a really good win. That comes win. to mind, yeah. But, and, but at that point, we thought Arizona could still be a pretty good team. And, you know, so it was kind of like it was an exciting win because we didn't know what that meant for them. This team, at this point, we kind of know where they're at. And for them to go to Oregon State in a game like this, where if I would have told you, I mean, let's say, Chase Jeter's only going to play 22 minutes. Uh, Brandon Williams is going to foul it after 20 minutes. Ryan Luther is going to foul it after 27 minutes. The other team is going to, you know, Oregon State is going to shoot twice as many free throws as Arizona. What do you think is going to happen in this game? And we yet, lost. You yeah. think that. And yet the contributions from Dutrieve, nine points. I really in solid 10 points. Dylan Smith made a three-pointer, had seven points. Like, this was a very complete all-around effort and a gutsy effort from a team where so much seemed to go against them. The bad luck that happened to Chase Jeter, the bad officiating that cost Brandon Williams and Ryan Luther. Like, these are things that happened to Arizona, and yet the things that they could control, shooting the ball well, they did. The turnovers, I think Arizona had nine in the first half. These are nine or 11 in the first half. They finished with 13, so they got that under control. They rebounded the basketball, and it was that type of game where when you look back at it, of course it helps that Arizona won. If that game goes to overtime, Arizona loses. We have a completely different conversation but that they went through all that, a team that some people thought probably quit on the season or had given up or just, you know, just it all caught up with them. No, this game they fought. They got a balanced effort. Different guys stepped up and made plays, and especially Dutrieve just crashing the glass hard and getting that put back at the end after the Justin Coleman miss. Like, this was such a fun win for this team to get because of how many people contributed and because of just how much seemed to go against them. And yet, since the season has kind of gone off the rails, it wasn't nearly as exciting or as impactful as it could have been. Like, imagine if Arizona was in contention for the Pac-12 title right now, for winning the Pac-12, you know, yeah. or for a top seed in the NCAA tournament. Imagine then what we're thinking about this game and that win. But I posed the question on Twitter, my last point, I don't remember the last time Arizona had a buzzer-beating win. You know, people thought maybe it was Kadeem Allen against Michigan State, but I'm pretty sure Michigan mm. State got a shot off at it. They inbound the ball after that. They I mean, did. Like, the ball goes in after the buzzer yeah. sounds or just like a walk-off shot. I can't remember the last time Arizona had one. So, huh. like, and if I ask you, like, I mean, we've watched a lot of Arizona basketball over the last however many years, and the first one that came to mind for me was, I think, Momo Jones against Cal, that, like, triple overtime or something like that. And even then, I don't remember if that was a buzzer beater. Just Arizona doesn't have wins like this over the last however many years. So this one, just looking back, what a blast. Well, we were certainly on the other end of a buzzer beater last year at Washington. Oh, I remember that. Them. But yeah, lots I guess of Cal beat Arizona on a buzzer beater before. <laughs> it's happened. To good, mo- it's happened to Arizona a lot. I just can't remember the last time it happened for Arizona. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's a good. We're, we're gonna have to uh, after we're done recording here. I'm gonna have to look into that. So if I was good at this, I would have looked it up and had that in front of me. But <laughs> you know, no, no, <laughs> yeah. We, we, we will write that wrong. Don't you worry, Adam. We'll figure that one out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with all that, right? And I think just kind of digging back in to what you had mentioned there was Brandon Randolph. Brandon Randolph, you know, Devonair Dutrieve had a, had a tremendous game, obviously, uh, especially with the final play that ultimately got Arizona the win. Uh, Devonair Dutrieve finishes with nine points, five rebounds. Uh, but Brandon Randolph, Brandon Randolph really did look good in this one, I thought, he with did. the 15 points, seven of eight from the field. I mean, that's just very efficient from the field. Um, you know, only two free throws, but we kind of touched on that. Like, there was just an imbalance, really, between the two teams. And yeah, free Arizona throw was not getting the line in that game for whatever reason. Tinkle, Tinkle shoots eight of ten. T- Tinkle, Tinkle shot ten free throws. And Arizona as a team shot 15. I mean, what, what does that tell you yeah. anyway? But we'll, we'll let that go. So that's fine. Um, you know, I, I really continued to look good, I thought. Uh, I think, you know, it was funny after the game. I, I believe it was Matt Moreno of, uh, of, of Rivals, the beat writer for Arizona and Rivals, had said, you know, as, as upset as everyone was with the Ryan Luther fouling out and Brandon Williams fouling out, of course, and, and, and deservedly so. I mean, th- th- those were both kind of pretty ticky-tack calls, I thought. Mm-hmm. If, if either of those guys don't foul out, is Devonair Dutrieve even in the game to make that last play? And that's an excellent question that, fortunately, I guess we'll never know the answer to. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of well, like, remember all these times when we talked about how Arizona was short guys? You know, when Mm -hmm. Brandon Williams was missing all those games, when Chase Jeter missed those games in the L.A. trip and then wasn't himself for a while, and you needed people to step up. 
Like, and this was only one game. It's you know a very isolated incident for them. But that's what this is what you hoped to see in those games. That okay, Brandon Williams is out. Barcelo steps up. Dutrieve steps up. And in this game, Dutrieve did. I really did. So these he may not have been on the floor had those guys not fouled out. Then again, maybe they wouldn't have needed that putback. Maybe yeah. if Brian Luther and Brandon Williams are on the floor, Arizona pulls away, or you have a better look than Justin Coleman kind of fading away there, which that's a separate conversation of itself, oh. too. That's the best they could come up with. But that's all the things. Like, these are the things where how many times have we left a game or we've watched Arizona lose a game and we say, man, just the free throws, the foul trouble, the injuries was just too much for them. And you kind of run off and say, that's sports, right? Like, hey, you know, bad things happen. Sometimes teams aren't good enough to overcome them. For at least this game, in Corvallis, Arizona had enough to overcome all that. And that makes it more fun. That makes it an enjoyable win, an enjoyable moment in a season that has been kind of short on those because who would have seen that? Dutrieve had five rebounds mm-hmm. in 15 minutes. He was playing hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, Ryan Luther only made two shots, but he had six rebounds. He was playing hard. You know, Brandon Randolph, of course, looked great. He was making shots that he probably shouldn't have been taking some of them, but he's the type of guy when he's on, he can make those. So... You know, I, like I said earlier, I don't know if there was a more fun, bigger win than this one. Obviously, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things for this season, most likely. But just for all that went against them and allowed Dutrieve to be in the lineup to make that play, how can you not smile about that? It was a very feel-good win for Arizona. And again, a much-needed win at that, too. I mean, you know, obviously, we'll get to the Oregon game here in a moment. But uh, one theme so far of Devin Air Dutrieve, and you kind of touched on it right there, is he's a sneaky good rebounder you know he's not the biggest guy by any means but he's pretty lanky and i mean the six five frame uh you know obviously he's gonna bulk up quite a bit i mean he's only what a buck 75 or something and that's basically skin and bones when you're that tall but uh but but he is a sneaky good rebounder and that was fully on display there with the with that last play. I mean, he just has a pretty strong nose for the ball, I thought. So, yep, fi- final score there, Adam. Of course, 74-72, Arizona escapes with the win there. And, Adam, let's go ahead. Uh, at, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the Oregon game. All right, Adam, so then fast-forwarding to Saturday night when Arizona was on the back end of their Oregon road trip. This one was certainly the tale of two halves, right? I mean, the first half here, uh, Arizona, I thought, looked pretty good. Uh, we knew going into it that Chase Jeter was diagnosed with, uh, with, with, with the bone bruise. We didn't necessarily know. Uh, we, we didn't necessarily know what his availability would be for that game, but we certainly knew that it wasn't anything too serious. Mm-hmm. He did, in fact, play a little bit. He just, I mean, he just, he was basically immobilized. Like he wasn't yeah, able. He to wasn't really- useful at all do anything whatsoever and that certainly i think affected the game plan to an extent right i mean you know it was interesting i feel like he you know he he was the leading scorer the first time around in tucson the first matchup here with oregon and arizona game was a close game played a factor in this and adam you know that first half was a close game too the halftime score 31 31 uh you know it's it's just tough to uh, you know Brandon I thought thought looked pretty good you know and, and actually we didn't even touch on this in the Oregon State game he kind of had a little bit of a scare there too didn't he with, with his knee and yeah and you know that that proved to be nothing but you know just knowing what he's been battling with his knee so uh, over the last uh, several games it was just not a good sign but of course he he like Chase Jeter was able to get back in the game but he unlike Chase Jeter was able to you know stay in the game right so like that that was a bit encouraging going into it but then fast forwarding of course to Oregon you know you you definitely think. You know, Oregon, anytime you think of Oregon and, and, you know, Oregon does have a little bit of size, really just more length. I feel like, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Bull Bull is no longer on the team, has not been with the team really for uh, several games now. I mean, at least more than half the season. And, uh, you know, without him, you just kind of think of them as more of a more of an athletic, long team, uh, something that, you know, maybe maybe Chase Jeter wouldn't would would kind of struggle against anyway. So you think kind of more of like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for Ira Lee. Ira Lee is going to thrive in this game. Uh, you know, we don't need to jump into the final stats just yet. But, you know, that first half, it just kind of felt like even though it was tied 31 31, it, it just didn't feel that great i mean what were your thoughts i guess on the whole thing that if arizona can make another seven of 11 threes in the second half they'll have a chance you know i i think sean miller alluded to it after the game too talking like it was kind of fool's gold that arizona was tied yeah that was great but they'd made seven of 11 three-pointers in the first half and while we know that arizona is a better three-point shooting team they can be than they've shown like no one's that good 
So the fear was that if Arizona couldn't do anything other than make threes, which, I mean, they were open looks a lot of them, but if they couldn't do anything else, if they couldn't get the ball to the bucket, if they couldn't play a little bit better defense, then it wasn't going to be pretty for them in the second half. Now, granted, it was even uglier than anything most of us anticipated, but just that first half was fun because I didn't expect it to be that close, especially without Chase Jeter being at all useful. But watching, you're like, okay, that's probably not sustainable. No, not not at all. And that proved to be true, right? I mean, ultimately, Arizona puts up 16 points in the second half. You know, foul trouble, I guess, played into a little bit for Ryan Luther. But really, I, you, you can't even really chalk it up to that. I mean, it was just all around sloppy. So Arizona finishes uh, with 31% from the field, 15 of 48. I mean, that was they had the same amount of turnovers as they did field goals in this yeah. game. And it was, you know, it, it was another, I felt, strong rebounding performance uh, relatively, right? I mean, Oregon had 36, Arizona had 36. So you really can't even really chalk it up to that. I mean, it, it was simply they couldn't make a bucket to save their lives. Uh, you know, even rebounding, they, or excuse me, even free throw shooting. I mean, they got to the line more often than Oregon State, or excuse me, Oregon could. But, you know, how often, how often do you see an Arizona team this year anyway shoot nine of 18 from the field or the free throw line? Excuse me. You know, like uh, prior years, you know, like those TJ McConnell years, for whatever reason, uh, Arizona was just not a good free throw shooting team. This team has proven to be. I mean, solid defensively, I felt really throughout the whole season. And, and you felt good about really the team as a whole when it came to free throw shooting. And this game, all of that just went out, which went right out the window. 15 turnovers, missing half your free throw attempts, shooting 31% from the field. Uh, it, it, was ju- it just all came together to just be one ugly, ugly second half. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's Arizona 9. It's just a bad shooting night. Maybe they wore down. And I mean, he prefaces too, knowing that Oregon is a terrible matchup for Arizona this season. Even without mm-hmm. Bull Bull, they have length. They have athleticism. Those are two things that Arizona really doesn't have a lot of. You know, so Ryan Luther, obviously he's not much of an athlete. He got called for a bad foul against Wooten, you know, late then he got a technical that didn't belong either. But, yeah. you know, it's this is one of those games where Oregon is just a better team than Arizona. I mean, especially without a healthy Arizona, with Chase Jeter not being himself, and even Brennan Williams looked better but still working his way back in that form. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not a team that Arizona is going to go on the road and beat unless Oregon plays bad. And the Cats, the first half, they did all they could to keep up by making threes, but the second that stopped and you knew it would kind of balance out, they needed to find something else, and they had no inside presence. And the guys that drove to the lane when Dylan Smith would drive to the lane or Coleman or even Randolph would try that. I mean, Randolph only took four threes, which seems like a lot, but you know he took a five non-threes. You know, When Brandon Williams tries to drive the bucket, there's just nowhere to go. And so this was a team that just – that's why I think most of us probably watching that first half, so we're like, okay, we'll take it. But it's really surprising. Like, Oregon State never scared me in the way Arizona was in that game in the first half. It's like, okay, Oregon State's not better than Arizona. They just scored a few more points. This game, it's like you watch say, okay, I'm pretty sure Oregon's the better team. Just Arizona kept up with them, but can that last? And, you know, you mentioned the rebounding. Arizona was fine there, but that was about the only place the Wildcats did well overall in this game. And, you know, Oregon's starting to play better basketball. They're a talented team. And just playing like that ain't going to be enough, especially at, you know, in Eugene. So, you know, it was kind of reminiscent of those games in Los Angeles without Chase Jeter, except for the fact that Arizona was competitive in the first half of this game. But that second half, certainly, I mean, that's 16 points. That's (laughs) Arizona, even when they were bad against the L.A. schools, they weren't 16 points and a half bad. So chalk it up. Maybe they were a little bit tired after that Oregon State game emotionally, mentally. I don't know. But... Even then, the free throws to Jardins make two of four, so that's that hurts. Ira Lee was zero for four. You know, Ira Lee's not a great free throw shooter; he's better than that. Coleman was one for three. You know, no. this doesn't include all the one and ones, the front ends that they missed. So, I mean, it's Arizona didn't play well overall in this game, and that's what happens. So, you know, they lost what twenty six points was the final score. I mean, that's they're outscored by twenty six points in the second half of that game, and none of that surprises me. From watching the game and even going in, none of that surprises me. It was, it was very ugly and very tough to watch. Uh, it, it was certainly not something, you know, I, I, I was really hoping you bring up the L.A. trip and you, I, I was really hoping that, um, that that those type of performances, that those type of outings were 
somewhat of a fluke, right? I mean, you, you, you knew that those teams were not that bad, or excuse me, that, that Arizona was not that bad of a team, rather, right? Uh, th- this game, to your point, with the first half, you know, the first half, it was certainly the free th- uh, three-point shooting that kept them in. Uh, the second half, the absence of Chase Jeter, you know, just nothing, nothing was doing, right? Dylan Smith ends up being the leading scorer on the night with 14 points, but it took him 14 shots to get it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he had one free throw. He was one of one from the line, but for 14 points and 14 shots, I am willing to wager that anytime Dylan Smith is the leading scorer and it takes him just as many, just as many shots as it does to equal his point total, Arizona's going to lose that game. <laughs> and, and it's not, and, and I wouldn't even necessarily say in blowout fashion, this just ended up being the case. Right. And, and those three really bad blowouts that we had, right. The LA schools and now Oregon, the common denominator was really chase Jeter. I mean, this team is a lot different with chase Jeter or without chase Jeter. And, and, and I guess kind of my, my whole mindset with that, Adam, I, I was really thinking more of like, I was really thinking more of like, you know, USC, that that kind of makes sense, right? Like Chase Jeter is it seems like you'd be more more vital to a game plan against a USC where they have more of the traditional bigs. Right. And especially like like solid NBA type bigs. Right. Um, UCLA, really not so much. You know, we knew going into that that Chris Wilkes was going to be the nightmare matchup for Arizona, um, but not necessarily, you know, like a true low post player. Uh, and then this Oregon game, you know, once again, it was just kind of uh, similar. Like, I, I, I guess I don't really know how much you can chalk up to the Chase Jeter thing or, or just how it was just, you know, Oregon really just ran us out of the gym in that second half. So, uh, you, know, you know, another point circling back to the Devonair Dutrieve being a sneaky good rebounder. 24 minutes, eight rebounds. Solid, right? He had the he had the six points, six and eight, two assists. Four turnovers, which is kind of tough to see. He, he led he led the charge in that one. Nobody had more than that. But you know, Justin Coleman, right? This seemed like another opportunity for Justin Coleman to really step up, especially in the second half, right? Kind of a quiet first half, but you know, it doesn't really matter about the first half uh, when when collectively you're able to stay in the game, and in this case, you know, in a tie ball game. You know, singing praises for Brandon Randolph for the Oregon State game. Seven of eight from the field, fifteen points. What did he? What does he end up doing here in seventeen minutes? He has three points, one of nine from the field. I mean, it's just always this Jekyll and Hyde type thing between, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Coleman, Ryan Luther, and Brandon Randolph. And, you know, I guess if, if you're looking for some optimism, a silver lining, I mean, it is a big wild card, right? But it's not something to hang your hat on or something that you should feel that great about when it comes to, you know, knowing that, you know, going into this game, you, you can't really you can't really ever feel good about a comparable opponent, you know, in terms of like your chances of winning that game, just because we are so Jekyll and Hyde. So uh, it's certainly going to make for an interesting upcoming game against ASU. Luckily that game's at home and it's also going to make for a very interesting PAC 12 tournament, I think. Yeah. And I, I think you nailed it there too. Like you can't feel comfortable with the roster Arizona has with guys like Randolph and especially, you know, Dylan Smith, because they're so inconsistent, even Coleman too. But to compare this to the LA trip, I almost think this game is basically the same because you look at Oregon is where they are right now, talent wise. They're still talented. You know, they got the length, mm-hmm. they got the athleticism, and they're pretty well coached. And maybe you couldn't say the same for the LA schools. But Arizona went into those games without Chase Jeter and just got slaughtered by decently, you know, talented teams that were kind of maybe not playing up to their talented level, right? Here they basically go without Chase Jr. He played six useless minutes. He wasn't Chase Jr. They went the rest of the way without him. I guess a team that's talented is probably underachieved this year on the road. So, you know, you hate to see it. You hate to see Arizona lose by 26, especially after being tied for the first 20 minutes, and even more so after winning that game against Oregon State, which followed up those two wins against the Bay Area schools at home. But when you really break it down, it's, yes, it's disappointing. I just don't think it's all that surprising. Mm -hmm. You know, and... The fact that Dutrieve had six points and eight rebounds in 24 minutes, that Brandon Williams had 12 points in 21 minutes, started to look more like himself, got to the free throw line, and actually made his free throws. Like, there were some positives to take away, but obviously most, you know, not many. You score 47 points in a game. Like, that used to be okay when Arizona had Aaron Gordon and Ron Day and McConnell and Nick Johnson because they'd only give up 40. But, yeah, right. You know, this team, especially on the road against Oregon, isn't good enough to do that. So, I mean, if I would have told you before the game that there's going to be no Chase Jeter in this one, you're probably not that optimistic. Maybe you don't expect them to lose by 26, but you're probably saying, well, there goes the chance of that game. And that's the probably the most disappointing about this road trip was that Arizona had that 
gritty, gutsy win against Oregon State and then went to Oregon and they didn't have their full complement of players. And I'm not saying having Chase Jeter be himself would have won this game for Arizona because I think Oregon is just a bad matchup for the Wildcats and even more so for Chase Jeter like this. But at the same time, Arizona went into this, I guess you could say, big game in a hostile environment, tough crowd, tough place to play, and didn't have their full arsenal behind them. You know, yeah. Ira Lee is much better off the bench, not as a 33 minutes per game starter. And also, and even Brandon mm-hmm. Williams played off the bench. I expect I'd expect him to be in the starting lineup on Saturday against ASU. But it's Arizona, and again, it's this thing that happened to them. It's kind of been the story of this season, where just I'm not saying they would have beat Oregon. They probably wouldn't. We talked last week about their chances for being a top four team. Arizona, they had to sweep their last three games and get a little bit of help. And I'm like, well, I don't see Arizona sweeping this weekend, kind of. So I, you know, them losing to Oregon doesn't surprise me. Them losing to Oregon by 26 would have, except for the fact that Chase Jeter basically didn't play in this game. And we've seen Arizona without Chase Jeter this season. It's ugly. So, it's tough. you know, it's yeah. not like he's DeAndre Ayton, so it's a shame that that just shows you where this team is at, where Chase Jeter is that important to them. But we know he is that important to them. That's that actually brings up a good point. I do want to correct myself from last week. Uh, I, I, I said that Arizona is basically eliminated from any first round buy in the Pac-12 tournament. I guess they're uh, not. Arizona- they, they, they were not. I mean, they are now. They had to win out, right? And I saw and someone. Big, I need to read the article. They said Arizona could still possibly get a top four seed. Still possibly. I think get, I, forget what, I needed to read that. Again, if I was good at this, I would have read that already. But, <laughs> well, I, I do want to give props to Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Swarm because he did the breakdown prior to the Oregon game uh, that, that basically listed out the path, to even the two seed, right? Washington was off the board just because they had the heads up. And then who would have thought that they would lose to Cal, which is a complete side note, right? Jeez. Look at Cal sweeping the or the Washington schools. Bravo. Definitely. We couldn't even beat Washington State and they were able to handle they were able to handle uh, Washington State. So that's a uh, whole whole not uh, getting off topic here. But uh, I, I mean, I guess looking at it, I guess it depends. Right. So it would probably be. So the standings right now going into this weekend, again, recording this on Tuesday, March 5th, right? So by the time this is released, actually, uh, did, did, everyone will be listening to this on a Friday morning. Uh, so the Thursday games will have already been played. And, and the reason, I'm sure you're wondering, what was the delay? Uh, Brian, Brian actually finally scheduled an attorney to come on to talk about the logistics, I guess, if you will, of, of what's about to happen with Brooke Richardson, Sean Miller taking the stand, uh, what have you. So that's going to take precedent. And of course, just with the ASU game on a Saturday, that gives us a little more bandwidth, I guess, you know, in terms of spacing these things out, getting back to the point. So these games will have already have played though, right? Because if you look at, uh, so Washington will already play. doesn't matter. ASU, ASU, I guess is not locked into the two seed then because they're currently sitting at 11 and six. Uh, the next three teams, Oregon state, UCLA and Utah all are nine and seven. So if ASU loses, drops to eleven and seven, and then Oregon State, UCLA, Utah—I uh, don't know how that's going to work from there. It's I mean, to I make get, your head hurt for sure. Yeah, no kidding. And then, so then beyond that, right beyond the three-way tie for third place, you have Colorado, Oregon, USC, all at eight and eight. Obviously, each team plays eighteen games. So uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, and Cal are the only ones with one game left. But once again, of course, once the time, once everybody hears this, everyone will only have one game left. So um, yeah, Adam, that, that'll be interesting. I, I, I obviously, I sh- sure hope that would be fantastic. Well, according to Bruce Pasco, I found his uh-huh. article and he mentions that Arizona basically needs a six way tie for fourth place to happen. So who are those teams? Like a certain six way, let's say Pac-12 breaks multiple ties by comparing records within a group of tied teams. So the key for Arizona is to have such a tie involve the two teams, Oregon State and Stanford, it has beaten twice, and that the Oregon team it has lost to twice. One way such a tie could happen, I'm reading the article from Bruce Pascoe here, would be for Washington to beat Oregon State on Wednesday in Seattle, okay. and for Washington State, and Washington State to get the win over Oregon and Pullman later that night. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah, it's, this is, Arizona's probably not getting a top four seed. Damn it. But that, right. if that, let's say for the sake those things happen, according to this article, according to Bruce Pascoe, if those things happen, he says that would get the Wildcats to Thursday, which is the, when Arizona would need UCLA to lose to Colorado, USC to lose at Utah, 
in Stanford to beat Cal at Maples Pavilion? Um, All reasonable, so those actually. three, though, yeah. So really, the only unreasonable one was Washington State beating Oregon, right? And that's just if they get through Thursday. So if all that happens on Thursday, you know, by Wednesday and Thursday, Arizona, everything goes right for them. According to Bruce Pascoe, says the, then comes Saturday, the Wildcats have to do their part by beating ASU, of course. But then Arizona needs Oregon State to lose at Washington State, USC mm. to beat Colorado, UCLA to lose at Utah, and Washington to beat Oregon. Wait, UCLA <laughs> has to beat Colorado, or they have to lose at Colorado? USC would have to beat Colorado. USC would have to beat Colorado. Okay. And then UCLA at Utah. Seems okay. Washington beats Oregon. Washington beats, okay. And then Oregon has to lose at Washington State. Wow. So we are. If all that happens, then you get a six way tie that apparently Arizona would win by way of their records against the teams involved in that tie. Gosh, man, this all goes back to that stupid Colorado game like two weeks ago when, oh, man, we ended up losing that game 67-60, right? <laughs> um, that was, that, that's the one that I kind of circle is like, man, I, that, was, that was so doable and they weren't able to do it. You know, the Washington State game, you know, if, if you're just going to circle in terms of just what, what the hell was that? You know, like that, I guess one of those that but, could do it. I mean, it wasn't a close game, but uh, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I guess you can't even really, yeah. See those type of games where it was just like Washington state, Bobby Franks, was that his name? Was just shooting lights out. Like there mm-hmm. was not, you can't do anything about that. And that sucks. But again, of course, it's just more than 55 points. Yeah, that that would help your cause too. But um, yeah, that Colorado game, man, that that one just for some reason I feel like it's really going to haunt us. The well, home loss to Oregon that was a five point <coughs> game. The loss at ASU that game went to overtime, and that's that's this Arizona team. Like this is the position they put themselves in for a first yeah, round, right? Yeah, Beating, to take care of business by beating a team that already beat them that's more talented than they are. But the game is in Tucson, so that's doable. But then you need everything else. So this is just to be the fourth seed. Right. Yeah. We're used to Arizona being the one or two seed battling to win the Pac-12, but now we're saying they need to win out, they need to win this game, and have a ton of help to be the four seed. Oh, that is so you much know, help. It would be well, a big I, help, but I, you know, the Pac-12 is so bad, so I, I don't, like we talked last week, I don't know if Arizona needs to be the four seed. I could see Arizona being one of those teams that plays on Wednesday and makes it to Saturday. You know, if Arizona gets hot and they're healthy, they can beat anyone in this conference, I'm sure of it. But yeah. there's, you can make that claim for pretty much everyone in the conference outside of maybe Washington State and Cal, the same Cal team that just beat Washington, the same Washington State team that beat Arizona and ASU on the road. So, you know, this conference stinks. I think Sean Miller said in his radio show that it'd be a miracle if the Pac-12 got three teams in the tournament, the NCAA tournament, and he's right. Oh, you know, it's going to be Washington. Yeah, it's it's going to be Washington, and then ASU probably if Washington or ASU wins the Pac-12 tournament. But if yep. you're ASU, the last thing you need, and I know this is kind of maybe previewing the ASU game on Saturday, but if you're ASU, the last thing you need is for anyone other than you or Washington to win in Vegas. So that happens, ASU, I can't see them getting in. You know, it, it, barring them getting helped, I don't see the Pac-12 getting three teams in, and ASU's not good enough this season to warrant being a third Pac-12 team in the tournament. So when of- Oregon wins it or UCLA or USC wins the Pac-12 tournament, like or Arizona, ASU's out. then I, I would think ASU, unless they get some ASU's help from out. around the country, they're out. So that's a pretty good segue. And I mean, obviously we, we, we know Saturday, the ASU game, which is at 2 PM local time. So a little afternoon game. Um, we know that that's a pretty big game and chase Jeter, you know, his health probably, I mean, I don't want to say really like the outcome of that game, it depends on him being a go. You know what I mean? Like just because last time, you know, yes, he did play. I think I already played 31 minutes or whatever, but I, I don't, you know, it was not, he didn't really play that, that well, right? Like no. he was not, he was a shell of himself basically. Right. In other words. So um, this game, you know, being at home, I, I think, I think another, another situation where you would think that the way ASU plays, you know, not really big, just kind of long athletic that, that this, that this matchup may somewhat bode well for just the way of, you know, Chase Jeter's game is really not built for that type of athleticism, I would think. But then again, I mean, who, who knows, right? I mean, we, we know it's just another wrinkle. It's another dimension to the, to the offense and really d- defensively too, where, he might be missed, but you know, I, I would say Adam in a nutshell, right. And, and not, not to discount other matchups by any means, but in, in a nutshell, this game 
probably does end up relying on Chase Jeter's health, right? I mean, is that fair? Like, I mean, I, how, how far off base is that? It's hard to say because when they played the first time, like, ASU's a better team, or at least more talented than U of A is. Mm-hmm. And they did get a nice win. Lugensdorf played well against Oregon State, seemed to maybe finding himself a late-season surge for him. But when these teams first played um, about a month ago or so, like – I mean, you had no Brandon Williams. Chase Jeter just come back, and he wasn't really himself. He played 31 minutes, but he was eh. But Ryan Luther made five threes. Justin Cohen made three threes. Randolph made two. Dylan Smith made three. Like, Arizona made 14 threes in that game. 14 of 28, yeah. So out of character. So you could say if Arizona, play, if Arizona shoots the ball like they did the last time, then they beat ASU with Brandon Williams and a healthy Chase Jeter. Probably, but yeah. But I don't expect Arizona to shoot 14 of 28 threes. And again, ASU's not a great defensive team. So they, you know, they allow that to happen at times. So I don't know if I'd put this game on Chase Jeter, but certainly if he's out there in himself, then Arizona's a better team for it. You yeah, know, now, they, that, now Arizona that's fair. has some viable size to maybe get a guy like Romello White into foul trouble as he's apt to do to really help keep someone like Cheatham off the boards. He had 22 rebounds against Arizona when they played in Tempe. You know, like Chase Jeter, people give him a lot of flack because he seems soft at times, and he does. You know, he's not DeAndre Ayton. He's not Caleb Terzic. He's a different type of big. And really, probably, unfortunately for him, he's been forced to be the center on a team where he's probably better served as a power forward next to another good big. You know, imagine Bull Bull on this team with Chase mm-hmm. Jeter lined up next to him. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So Jeter's probably a little bit out of position playing above his role, playing above his station even, if you want to go like that. And yet, he's been fine. You know, like maybe you want him to be more, but the guy's basically been a, what, 12 points, 8 rebound kind of guy. There's nothing wrong with that. So having him back out on the floor, if he is himself, then that's a big deal for Arizona. We've seen that. So I don't know if I would say up to your question, like, if he's the difference in this game. But certainly I have a hard time seeing Arizona beating ASU without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I guess, and then the other leg to that is Brand Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Brand Williams obviously didn't play the first game, and and he he's been he's been looking good. And Ira Lee, actually, you know that ASU game probably started a little bit of this trajectory that Ira Lee's on right now. Uh, you know, he he really he was forced into some pretty big minutes there, and I thought he answered the bell pretty well there. But uh, but but then you know then 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 you get a stinker game like the Oregon game where you think like this would this is a perfect Ira Lee game, you know, and so. Just uh, just goes back to the narrative of this team is just one big wild card. I guess you never really know what 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 to make of that. But I guess just in the whole landscape of things, then I guess Adam, right? I mean, obviously, first and foremost, Arizona has to win, has to beat ASU, and not only, I mean, just for the fourth seed, like. Good God! Like, let's please beat ASU. Like, <laughs> right, no, don't don't lose to them on Senior Night. Come on. This has been a bad season, and of course, I mean, again, if Arizona doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament, they're not going to March Madness, and I think we've all accepted that. If not, if it's not tonight, if you're if it takes us saying this now for you to accept that, fine. But I think we've all kind of think, picked up on that being the case for a while now. But if they beat ASU on Saturday, there are a lot of people to say, you know what? Okay, because this is ASU's most talented roster in a long time. And maybe I don't think losing to U of A makes a big difference for their tournament chances on Saturday because I think it still comes down to what happens in Vegas for them. But if Arizona can beat ASU, take them to overtime on the road without Brandon Williams and with not a healthy Chase Jeter, and then beat them at home, again, this is one of the worst Arizona teams we've had in a while and one of the best ASU teams and the best the Sunnels can do is split. Like, yeah, it's not a season sweep for the Wildcats, but it would be a really good feeling split. I actually think that, so this, this I, I had the theory going into last game, and, and we didn't know, of course, that Brandon Williams was, was was that hurt coming out of the L.A. road trip last time. So we didn't know uh, when we recorded that he was going to to, to be sidelined for the game. Uh, but, but, but one of my theories all year against, or more of a knock, you know, against ASU is that they don't really have strong guard play. You know, like I think, I think that I, I do agree uh, in a vacuum that this team, this ASU team is, is much more talented than last year, like just in general. Right. But, but I, but I think that one thing that really makes last year's team, uh, I mean, arguably better was the point guard play with Trey Holder. Now I think yeah, you that, say one, that then Ray Martin went off for 31 points, eight assists he, against he Arizona. So. He, he did. He, <laughs> he, he did. He did. He did. But I don't want to, I don't want to lose focus uh, on uh, just one game versus the whole sure, season. Sure. Right. 
And so I think like over, over the course of the whole season, I think that one, one weakness, one deficiency has been the point guard play. Um, and, and I think that this is, this is something where Arizona probably is better suited, right? With Justin Coleman, Justin Coleman and Brandon Williams, right? I mean, true, two true point guards on the floor. And now of course, you know, other guard play can play into that as well. But, but if we're talking strictly point guards, I think that that is a major advantage for Arizona. And and I think that that is one thing to keep an eye on for Saturday. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And we didn't see Brandon Williams against these guys. We didn't see him as a player who could put pressure on a Remy Martin, you know, put pressure on Dort or Edwards, whoever's out there. So no, it's, I wanted to see a healthy Arizona team because, again, when you know we said it last week, and it's still true, when Arizona's had their full complement of players, they've been a pretty competent to good team this mm-hmm. season. Now they'll be at home. It'll be against ASU Senior Day, and all those things don't necessarily make you better or more talented than your opponent, but certainly, like the pressure is on ASU to win this game more so than Arizona. Yeah, and if you're the Wildcats. You could say, hey, we took these guys to overtime on the road without Brandon Williams and basically with Chase Jeter being a shell of himself and feel confident. You know, and it's the type of game where, I guess, to Arizona's credit, the last few games, they've come out of the gates playing pretty well. So that's been a nice sign because it shows that they're going to be competitive right off the bat, at least. So, no, I, ASU isn't an insurmountable task for them. They're not, when I say it's the most talented Sun Devils roster in a while, it's almost like, a knock against ASU's history. Like, they've got right. some good players, but it's not a great basketball team. There's a reason why they're a solid at best second place in a really down year for the Pac-12. Bubble right? team, they, too, like they're, yeah. They're a bubble team, and you know, I think Miller's a better coach than Hurley, at least a better game coach. I know there's a lot of U of A fans who aren't high on Sean Miller, the game coach, but mm-hmm. I think he's a better coach than Bobby Hurley, and his team generally is more consistent, even keel. Like, ASU's... When they're hot, they're really good. They get out and run. They throw down some dunks. You get the no-look passes, the behind-the-back stuff. You know, they're flashy. But Arizona, when they're right, they're just a solid basketball team that plays defense, rebounds the basketball, and makes a couple shots. So, you know, I, a win on Saturday, would it wouldn't make this season better. Like, it wouldn't make this a successful season, but it would certainly make you feel pretty good about them going into Vegas. And even then, like, if they win three or four of their last five games – heading into Vegas with their only loss being one on the road at Oregon without Chase Jeter. You know, I guess you'd feel like, hey, well, let's just see what happens in Vegas. But, you know, hopefully yeah. it's a fun one. I It would be rough if Arizona loses this one. Just for anyone who's a U of A person, especially those who live in the Phoenix area, It'll be rough if the Cats <laughs> lose this game on Saturday. Yeah, you you would certainly have to feel better about where you were uh, before that five game stretch, right? Going four and four and one in the last five. You know that seven game losing streak. You know, ending the season here. I mean, against against a a good ASU team, right? Or I mean, at least decent ASU team, right? Like I, I think, you know, just not 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 to continue to beat on it, but um, yeah, th- th- this this is a good enough team that will likely make the that excuse me the the March Madness the the big dance, right? Of course, you expect them to get in as one of the bubble teams assuming that there's not that large bid somewhere which the way things are kind of i guess maybe shaken out here we could be in store for an arizona asu uh, second day matchup in vegas which would be very (laughs) fun to see but um i guess just getting back to it right like of course you know at at, at worst this is a this is a decent arizona state team at best this is a good arizona state team So, so if you can get out of there on senior night at home uh, with with this win, you, I think you'd be feeling pretty good going into the Pac-12 tournament to Vegas. Yeah, you'd have an 18-win regular season, nine and nine in the conference, right? I mean, it's average. And average, for, yeah. And for Grant, average isn't good enough for Arizona, but for this team and with all that's gone wrong, I mean, you could say you're nine and nine in the conference, and maybe without the injuries, maybe two more wins. Now you're a 20-win team, and you're 11 and nine, and you're pro- or 11 and seven, and you're probably the two seed in the conference. So it's right. you know, that's just where there's at, and that's not to that's not a lot of credit for U of A because again, this is a really bad conference, and Arizona right now is going to be in the bottom half of it. You mm-hmm. know, but the difference between them being a top four seed in this conference and them being on uh, the next four, it's not much. It's a game or two. And you, you mentioned that Colorado game. That was a close one. That was a close one without Brandon Williams. Yep. You know, the Utah game without Brandon Williams. Washington State, Washington, ASU, no Brandon Williams. UCLA, USC, no Chase Jeter. And even, I guess, Oregon, I'm going to say no Chase Jeter. Like, it's 
That's just been this season. And I'd like to say, hey, you just throw all the bad things into one season and move on to the next one. And of course, it hasn't worked out that way. <laughs> you know, it seems like there's been something bad almost every season for the last however many years. Yeah. But, you know, it's just so much went wrong for Arizona. Some of it self-inflicted, but a lot of it not. And yet, if they can win on Saturday and be 18 and 13, 99 in the conference, especially considering they had a seven-game conference losing streak, like it wouldn't be again not a good season, not a successful season, but just a season. Somewhat salvaged, I would say it was somewhat salvaged. Exactly, I think you put it better than I did. Somewhat salvaged, (laughs) like that's a way to do it. Win on Saturday, and it's not the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So Adam, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. And this was something that, you know, over the last week was kind of thrown out there and was getting a little bit of buzz on Twitter. Um, If Arizona does not win the Pac-12 tournament, if they do not win the tournament, of course, they will not get an at-large bid for March Madness for the NCAA tournament. At that point, it very well could be expected that they would get an invitation to the NIT. Adam, your answer, should they accept that invitation to the NIT? Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless it costs you money, you know, then I, I don't see why you wouldn't. It's a chance to play basketball. It's a chance for someone like Dutrieve or Brandon Williams or these guys to get extra minutes. You have Justin Coleman, Ryan Luther. These are guys whose college careers are coming to an end. You know, I don't. I know the NIT seems beneath Arizona. They've done it before and got slaughtered by, what, Bucknell, I think it was. But, Uh you know, I don't – in a season like this where so much went wrong, I think getting a chance for these guys to play together even one more game, a couple more games, and just – I mean, I I would. I don't think it should be beneath Arizona to play in the NIT. It's not like they got – it's like they were a snub team to say, you know what, we deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. You know, screw you guys for putting us in the NIT. It's more like, hey – Let's just keep playing basketball. So mm-hmm. I would be okay with it if they played. I'd support it them playing in the NIT if it gets to that point. But, you know, it's, again, also they had a seven-game losing streak, man. <laughs> like, there were times during that stretch where it's like, is this team going to make a postseason? Yeah, right. So if they could right. be a higher seed, maybe host some NIT games or something like that, I'd be fine with that. I 100% would be fine with that. I, I, I kind of – I. I somewhat laughed when I saw it because I was thinking like, is this serious? Like I, I understand like Arizona as a blue chip program would maybe think as you put it, you know, that that's beneath you. But uh, I, I think you have to look at it situationally, right? Like this season, this team, uh, I think that that could actually be a pretty neat thing for this team to accomplish, right? Like, like what, what if they go to the NIT and they win it? I mean, you, you're, you're playing some decent teams along the way. I mean, obviously not NCAA tournament teams, otherwise they would be yeah. <laughs> in the NCAA tournament, but, but like you, but you know what you I mean? Might like, play ASU still... along the way, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong whatsoever. You know, I guess the only, the only argument, would be like uh, for somebody like say Brandon Williams, he did the, the, the injury risk involved, right? Like, or, or chase Jeter, or, you know, like there's something, something more develops on that. And then playing an extended period of time or, you know, like a longer stretch of games would somewhat re-aggravate it and advance the injury more that requires some sort of, you know, off season surgery that would jeopardize things. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, you know, if we're getting like into like some pretty specific situations and then he doesn't uh, play, I could understand he like, doesn't play. Hurt, he doesn't play. Right, yeah. You know, then Dutrieve gets the minutes or Barcelo yeah. gets the minutes. It kind of seems like pretty low risk. Some, I mean, I'm medium reward. I mean, I wouldn't say high reward because it's the NIT, but, but I do think that that is beneficial for a handful of guys that will be coming back next year. Right. So uh, to me, to me, it's a no brainer. I, I certainly wouldn't want anybody. To, I really hope that, that Miller and the rest of the, the rest of the athletic department is thinking, you know, if we get this invitation that this is below us, we're, we're going to uh, respectfully decline. I mean, I, I really hope that that's not the case, but I'm with you hundred percent. Unless I mean, they're I thinking, think they unless the thought would be, you don't want this season to go anymore with all the questions that are, you know, some of the media narrative about the program and the FBI investigation and stuff like that. Be the only reason I'd say, you know what? close the door on the season and just like kind of shut Arizona basketball down in terms of like being in the spotlight at all. But in terms of the basketball, I don't see a downside to it. You know, maybe you go out there and lose. Okay, fine. You know, you lose, you win a game, you win two games, you lose at some point, you didn't win the NIT. Who cares? You know, this isn't like, this is a great Arizona team that was supposed to, it's like, Oh my God, how do you not win the NIT? Well, because we saw them, they won 18 regular season games, you know, 19 games total or something like, yeah, right. You know, I like to think that the NIT is beneath Arizona, and most season it absolutely is. 
You know, there's a mm-hmm. reason why Arizona is usually a one, two, three, or four seed in the NCAA tournament. Generally, they are that good, and next year it's shaping up with maybe if a couple of, you know, right guys come in or whatever, that they will be that good again. But for this season, this team, just in a vacuum, this year's team, to go to a postseason and play a few more games, maybe play well. Maybe you get a guy like Dutrieve some more confidence or Barcelo some confidence. Like, there are positives you can take away from that. And if someone like Chase Jr. decides he wants to sit out because he's not healthy or whatever, if Brandon Williams, the knee is too much of an issue to sit, then they sit. And if Arizona loses in the first round, they lose in the first round. Who cares? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100. percent It seems like there's a lot more benefit than uh, than than detriment, if you will. So, I guess we'll see, right? I mean, all of that obviously depends on on how they fare up in Vegas, and we know that, uh, that that Arizona travels well to Vegas. So, I guess two two last questions, quick ones here for you: Are you going to the game on Saturday, and are you planning on going up to Vegas for any of the games? Looking into possibly going on Saturday. Don't have tickets I- yet, so I'm trying to look into that and see if I can get a couple. Nice. Um, no plans to go to Vegas, although I guess if Arizona makes it to Saturday, then it'd be tempting to be like, you know what, get a couple of tickets and drive up Saturday because it'd be a nice yeah. game, right? So, you know, that mm-hmm. would be tempting, but I have no plans to do that because I don't necessarily expect that to happen. So oh, call Adam. A, call me a pessimist if you want, but, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I feel like I can play that one by ear. You know, hey, if Arizona wins on Wednesday, if they play on Wednesday, wins on Thursday, wins on Friday, if I want to go Saturday, I can go Saturday. Yeah, no, that that's a good plan. I will not be at either. Um, I, I I'm I'm actually a big you know I've I've done the Pac-12 tournament once. And I know we touched on this last year. Uh, I'm just I'm just a really big first weekend, specifically Thursday or Friday opening day type NCAA tournament guy for Vegas. Yeah. Uh, it's just so magical. And, and just that, 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 uh, that, that weekend, I mean, I guess even if you did like a Friday, Saturday where it's typically like semifinal finals or you know, like the big 10 and what, like the a 10, like the, those are like quarterfinal days, quarterfinal, semifinal days. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of conference tournament action going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think just with the pack or with, with the NCAA, tournament there's just so much um you know you usually usually these teams these matchups they haven't played each other yet so there's a lot of uncertainty there and i don't know man there was just something about that first weekend that i just can't shake and uh, it wasn't <laughs> you know the, the pac-12 tournament just wasn't really able to live up to it for me and and that was and that says a lot too because that was the year that larry markinen was on the team right and that was that was the i year was that at they, the pac-12 tournament that year i went yeah and i so, was so uh, much fun <laughs> i had exciting. a blast it was definitely fun. I get that. Maybe it was just, it was just bitter because I think it was like Purdue. I was betting pretty heavy on the on the Big Ten, and I just got slaughtered in games. So maybe that left about a bad. The Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Obviously, it's it's Vegas, so it's a lot of fun. And most years, we'll see this year. There's just tons of Arizona fans. So you're walking down the strip, and everybody's yeah. wearing you based. Hey, bear down. It's just awesome. You feel like you're you know mm-hmm. in Tucson like that. But I could definitely see how that experience is made by Arizona winning the whole thing. Yeah. You know, when I went, I think it was we drove up on Thursday because Arizona didn't play until Thursday night, their first game. And, you know, went to the games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and every night afterwards was a celebration. Yeah. You know, just going out and partying. You know, and that's yeah. Vegas generally, but after wins, so much <laughs> more fun. And then especially that one where you had, you know, the wins against UCLA, the revenge win, and then against Oregon, a revenge win. Like, it was one of those things like, this is just too much fun. But I totally understand the gambling side of things. When you're there for the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament and you're everyone's in the sports book or whatever sports bar or whatever, and it's just nuts for every mm-hmm. single buzzer beater or close game like that's I've done that too, and it's also so enjoyable when you win. Yeah. When you win. That that's a big yeah, there, that's a caveat a to all aspect. of it. When you win, you feel yeah. good about it. Yes. Yeah. Everyone has a good time when you win. So uh all right, Adam, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. So uh last game, of course. ASU goes to Tucson on Saturday, tip time, 2 p.m. local. That will be on CBS. So, hey, at least we'll get some of that March Madness music, right, when it goes to commercial <laughs> breaks. So that'll be cool. That might be the closest thing we get to. But um, that will be – yeah, we'll we'll see how that one works out. Obviously, a lot of stuff has to happen for Arizona to skip the Wednesday game, the first-round game, uh, as Adam, Adam, as you laid out there uh, per – Bruce Pascoe, exactly everything that has to happen. All the legwork because that's a lot for me. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't be able to back that thing out, so I appreciate it, Uh, Adam. uh, Let's end on this. What is your prediction for Saturday? Oh man, knew it was coming. Come on, I know. I'm I'm gonna say Arizona wins this game. 
that yeah. a healthy that uh, Chase Jeter does play and he's healthy because it's just a knee bruise. So he gets yeah. the, the entire week off to rest that. That Brandon Williams, mm-hmm. with no restrictions, plays well against a team that doesn't exactly play a lot of defense. That Arizona wins this game, has a nice senior day, and we're feeling pretty good heading into Vegas. Not that Arizona's going to win the whole thing, but like you know what, they're ready to compete. I will give you. I I think I think that the biggest piece to this whole Derek Jeter. I did it. I ah, you made the it the entire, entire time almost. Uh, this ah, this entire <laughs> this entire piece of Chase Jeter uh, and his injury right now is. No Thursday game like that. That that is great. So he really doesn't even have to ramp it up. I would say hopefully until like Friday, right? So that's yeah. like a solid five days that he can just rest that thing. For so knee bruise. Um, I mean, he should be. He should be. And I guess no one should t- can know exactly how much pain he's in or how restricted he feels. And that's one of the big question marks with him. But you'd think a knee bruise should be fine with a week off. Yeah, yeah, you you would certainly hope so. So, uh, Adam, I'm with you. You probably didn't even have to wonder, but of course, I'm with you on this. I do think Arizona takes care of business down in Tucson on senior night. So, um, so Adam, I think as far as and for the listeners, as far as you know, next week and any of the you know any of the coverage, uh, it's 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 looking like Arizona will be playing on Wednesday. We'll know for certain on on Saturday or maybe Sunday morning for some of you on the East Coast, but uh, we will know certainly what the Pac-12 tournament schedule looks like, and we will definitely have something uh, recorded and published uh, just in time. Uh, I would say probably a good 12 hours at the very least ahead of Arizona tip time. So hope everybody enjoys the game on Saturday, and we'll catch up with you next week. Bear down.